You're listening to the greatest multifamily investment advice show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the greatest multifamily advice show. Today we have Lior Rosanski. Our today guest is the host of Invest in Multifamily Show with more than five years on real estate business and syndication from Boston. Let me to welcome our guest today. How are you, Lior? Adam, thanks for having me. I am excited to be on the show. Thanks so much for being with us today and I appreciate you taking the time. Let's start first on how you started your your real estate career on on uh, multifamily what was the beginning for you uh yeah so uh for me kind of rewinding the clock it's a very classic immigrant story uh you know i uh, like we were talking before i moved here um from an early age from israel um you know and for my parents it was always the dream of having me become a doctor right like so many immigrants do <laughs> so i kind of went through uh, school um you know studied uh, a pre-med actually ended up even submitting a couple of applications to med school um, after I graduated. Mm. Uh, but, you know, kind of uh, fell into the uh, thoughts of what do I do with my investment portfolio, right? Like, how do I, how do I generate any substantial wealth? Mm. And, you know, after messing around with the stock market, like so many of us do, um, kind of came into real estate, right? It, um, you know, I was, I was always like a numbers guy, studying mm. science in college, so I understood it. And, you know, the numbers made sense, right? You, you buy something, you've got a fixed cost on it. Hopefully you're collecting more in rents, right? And, uh, you know, you generate some cash that way. So, um, you know, kind of plunged into real estate investing, bought my first deal um, here in Boston where I'm from, uh, withdrew my apps, um, you know, for med school from there. And then kind of, uh, you know, kind of launched my real estate investing career. Um, You know, I actually jumped in, I did a couple of condo developments in Boston, uh, learned the hard way that I did not want to do development. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, and then, uh, shifted over to multifamily and multifamily syndication, um, you know, and really started buying a lot of smaller multis in the Boston area, small multis, but expensive multis, <laughs> uh, as I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been doing. And, um, you know, cause I think the Boston market provides one of the best opportunities for real sturdy wealth creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what I've been doing. Uh, you know, we, have uh, been partnering with all, a lot of, uh, partners around here that have provided capital for us and uh, we've just continued to scale out a, a good size operation here in Boston. I think you, you your tar- your market is it's a little bit challenging because of the price starting point and we as, as we mentioned before we're talking about very unit about 400 to 500 very unit. So let me first just ask what was the upside for you to choose a market like Boston versus market like Atlanta, Tennessee, and Carolinas and, and South. What was the really upside for you to choose your market? Yeah, so I guess I should kind of say the first couple of years when we kind of were launching uh, and we're doing a lot of um, deals, you know, we would look at kind of more developing areas around mm-hmm. Boston. Um, you know, and I call those kind of maybe like high C, low B kind of areas, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and over there, we were buying product, I would say, between you know, anywhere from mid, mid, low, mid twos to 300 per door. Right. Mm. And, um, you know, and that was fine. You know, the cash flow created over there was pretty good, but over the last, I'd say 24 months or so, I've really made a hard shift in my business to really focus on, you know, class A and maybe higher class B sort of Mm. markets around Boston. 
Um, and that's kind of where we started buying a lot of product in that price range, you know, four to 500 per door, even 600 on our one recent acquisitions. Hmm. And, you know, a lot of people will kind of run away from that, right? They'll say like, what are you doing? It's just way too expensive. But, you know, I think there's actually quite a bit of stability that comes in with that kind of pricing, right? I mean, hmm. if you really think about it, you know, the Boston, New York's, um, you know, you can even, you could probably even throw like San Fran and LA's of the world, right? Although California is a little bit of a different uh, uh, animal, but, you know, these kinds of major, major hubs, right? Um, you know, they, they've got inherent stability um, and they've got inherent just, um, you know, opportunity for wealth, I believe, right? Because those markets are not going anywhere. There's just created infrastructure, very diverse economies. Mm. And, um, you know, that's kind of what's really made us pivot, right? Is the idea of why don't we go buy some of the most attractive real estate in the world um, where a lot of wealthy people are buying and um, figure out how to create returns um, for our, for ourselves and our investors. Okay. So on this part, um, again, we're talking about the market fundamental in Boston and new, um, new hot, hot area like New York. What you see is a long-term market fundamental, especially with new net immigration. Like everyone was saying that the winner is Southeast. What do you see is the actual impact of this on your market? Yeah, you know, I think during COVID, um, that was certainly a trend, right? Obviously, like New York, Boston, um, there's a lot of people moving from the north to the south. Mm. I think actually that trend has stabilized quite a bit. Um, now you actually, you know, if you scroll on your feed, you'll probably, you know, I've seen articles of like, why we moved back from Florida back to Boston, right? Um, there's, there's quite a bit of that. Um, so I, I think that was really temporary. Um, but in terms of market demographics, right? Um, what I like about here, right, is we've, we've got steady population growth, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, you know, we may have not hit it on the head like some of these South, Southeast markets that blew up over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we don't really have that. But we, what we do have is just constant, stable growth. Right. That's just not going to it's not going away. Right. Mm. Um, and the reason for that is because our the economies here are just incredibly diverse. Right. I mean, you know, Boston has got is a financial hub. It's a huge research, biotech, um, pharma, med, you know, medical space. Um, it's got some of the best hospitals in the world. It's got tech, um, you know, and it's got some of the best education. Right. I mean, you know, Harvard, MIT, we've got people coming in on a daily basis for that. So. I think the economy here, what the economy here is just so diverse and there's just so many things happening here that it's just hard for me to see, you know, I think it would really almost take like a black swan event for a city like Boston um, to really get wiped off and not really see growth over a long period of time. The implication of this right now, I think, is the recession. As we started already the recession on the last six months, we're still aiming until I think the peak of uh, or the bottom of the recession is going to be, I think, at, at the end of next year, what do you see is the uh, impact of the recession on your market right now, price range wise? Yeah, you know, I, I think I'd have to uh, almost like split it up a little bit between core Boston versus if you go 30, 45 minutes outside of Boston. Mm. Um, you know, if you go outside 30, 45 minutes outside of Boston, yeah, I think like a lot of markets across the US, I think you're going to see a little bit of um, stabilization happen, right? I mean, Obviously, with interest rates going up, you know, we just can't support the same pricing we were supporting 12, 24 months ago. Okay. Um, so I think you will see a little decompression in cap rates. I think you're going to see a little, um, you know, I think you're going to see some pricing uh, stabilize. 
Um, I would imagine it's probably going to be in the vicinity of 10 to 15 percent or so if I, you know, is kind of what I'm seeing. But what's really interesting is actually in the core markets, right? If you're in Boston or within 10, 15 minutes of Boston, where, you know, a large chunk of our portfolio is, what we actually see is people are still paying somewhat similar pricing, right? I mean, obviously, it's not the same velocity or, um, you know, it's not the same velocity or quite the same rigor. Um, but at the end of the day, the people understand, you know, buyers understand what, you know, what we're buying and the sellers understand what they have here, right? I mean, these are legacy multifamily buildings that, um, you know, a lot of times have very little vacancy, have demand very, very strong rents, um, are in some of the best locations and one of the best cities in the, you know, first, you know, uh, some of the strongest cities in the world. You know, at the end of the day, there a lot of them are holding a little firm, right? So I think you're going to see maybe a little, uh, a little stabilization happen in these kinds of markets, um, but I don't expect a massive shift to occur, honestly. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you something else. When you when you started, what was really upside for you to choose multifamily others than like over the other different commercial spaces like um, offices or um, storage facilities? Why you choose multifamily? Yeah, I think that was um, in my head. I mean, when I kind of bounced on real estate investing, um, I, I don't think I wanted to own something where I had to lease out to like a business, right? Because it just almost seemed inherently risky to me, right? Like what happens if the business doesn't do well or either there's any sort of issues or it has a bad month, right? Um, it just, it did not really resonate with me. Um, where, you know, and we're talking, of course, very high level, right? But um, you know, multifamily just, it made sense, right? I mean, at the end of the day, people need a place to live. And if someone moves out, you know, there's a ton, a ton of demand for housing. And I, and I foresee that's not going to change anytime in the near future. Someone's going to just refill that unit right back up, right? Where as opposed to, you know, retail office, anything like that. I think there's just a lot more risk in the tenant base. Mm-hmm. I think before the show, we had a really good discussion about raising capital, especially during the recession. And I would like to ask you about more about raising capital on two different models here as the syndication type or the fund model. So what was the upside for you and appealing for you to go more to the fund model? Yeah, so we um we tested the fund model um early this year. Um, we did, you know, it wasn't a huge fund. It was just a couple of million bucks that we raised, um, to go buy um some you know some multis around Boston. Hmm. Um, obviously the upside to a fund is you know your capital's there, it's ready to go, and you know you don't have to go raise it on a deal by deal basis, right? I mean, for not from an operational perspective, that's huge. We could come in without really contingencies. We knew the cash was there. Um, you know, and it just, it, it made it awesome, right? We were able to snag up some fantastic deals, um, because of that. Mm. Um, you know, I would say obviously, you know, on the other side, on the syndication side, right. Or, or a more deal by deal side, I guess. Um, you know, it's, again, it's kind of the opposite, right? I mean, obviously it's a little bit more operationally intense. You have to go raise the money after the, uh, the deals put under contract. Um, but one thing I was surprised about is, you know, I thought with the fund model, uh, you know, I kind of put on my resume, here's what we've done, here's the results we've achieved. I mm. thought it'd kind of be a layup, you know, people would be like, oh yeah, like, I love it. Let's go, you know, let's go invest in this fund. Let's go buy up the whole city. Um, but I was actually kind of surprised a lot of, you know, a lot of my um, LPs that I've worked with, um, you know, they weren't, 
people weren't convinced. I think it was just the model to them was very different, right? Like, mm. you know, I would get asked like, hey, what are you buying? And I'd tell them, well, we're going to find out, right? Uh, mm. We don't have anything lined up right now. And that was just a very different framework than the deal by deal stuff, right? Because on a deal by deal stuff, you can see it. You can say, hey, here's the asset. Here's the exact projections for this asset. Here's the deal, right? Whereas obviously fun by on a fun model, it's, you know, you're kind of just going in blind. And, um, you know, a lot of it is, of course, you know, trust in the operator. I think all of us right now have a lot of objections uh, for raising capital, especially on recession. Can you tell me what was like one of the funnest or hardest uh, situation to handle an LP, especially on the last six, seven months? Yeah, I mean, the last six, seven months, I've actually had to raise um, kind of uh, post-closing funds for one mm. of my, uh, uh, for a deal. Um, you know, we, I, there was a deal I bought last winter, um, you know, we had enough funds obviously to close and do the stabilization, mm. um, but needed some additional funds to kind of get it really across the finish line uh, towards the end. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, some of it has, some of those conversations have happened the last, you know, handful of months, mm. um, as the market has started to shift mm. and those have been, uh, those have been different, right? I mean, they certainly have been different. Um, you know, a lot of investors and, you know, that have capital to deploy are a little bit, you know, rightly so a little bit um, less sure of where the market's going, what's going on, how everything's going to be impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are certainly going to be, those are certainly different conversations than they were 12 to 24 mm-hmm. months ago. Um, you know, the big thing that I kind of try to explain and I firmly believe in is at the end of the day, this is why I'm buying these kinds of assets, right? Because I really believe these are going to be recession resistant. Um, they're in the best locations um, in one of the best cities in the country. Um, we have a ton of demand that rents are stable. Um, so it's, it's, it's really more of an educational conversation, right? Of like, what, you know, where do you think the market's going? And in particular, in your particular, in your particular market and asset class. For sure. Uh, let us jump to some different subject here is, what do you, how you describe the impact of a mentorship on your real estate career so far? Oh, huge, huge, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, like uh, every investor that's scaled out, uh, you know, having people that you look up to, um, whether it's directly or um, or indirectly through like uh, mentor groups. I know we talked offline about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've joined, um, you know, I've joined some uh, masterminds to kind of continue to improve my game. I mean, that's. It's critical, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you can only go so far as as you, as you know of the opportunities you know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so having you know having mentors and um, people that you look up to that have done things on a bigger scale is just you know I, I can't say enough about it, right? I mean, I definitely wouldn't be here without it. Especially on multifamily, it's a team sport, so you just cannot rely on yourself, especially on the beginning, on different aspects. One of them is, I think, financing and. Um, yeah, I agree on this. Mentorship is really a it's a, it's a team sport on on multifamily. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I try to learn from everyone, right? I mean, you know, I even take, I've even learned stuff from my property managers, from my mm-hmm. contractors. I mean, it's 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 a game that you're always trying to develop and get better at, right? Because the better you can get at it, the the, the tighter your execution is going to be, the tighter your returns are going to be. There's no question about it. So. It's not only from other investors, but literally from everyone, right? Like when I have conversations with more um, experienced investors or even my lenders, like I said, my property managers, contractors, uh, attorneys, 
um, you know, you're always trying to figure out how, you know, how do you take those lessons and um, kind of help them improve your game? I think the second part is going to be, I think we're going to ask about what was the impact of having a partnership? Especially yeah. On the, uh, on, the, on the GP side, what was the actual um, impact on uh, scaling your uh, portfolio so far? Yeah, you know, for me, I mean, partnerships have been crucial, right? I mean, I've, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at today without the partners that I've worked with, um, the, car, the current and past. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think it's critical, right? I mean, like you said, multifamily is a super complex sport. Um, you need a lot of hands in order to really execute correctly and properly. Mm-hmm. Um I just find it hard to see how one person without a team, without a partner can really achieve something like really amazing. Right. And, um, you know, and, and this obviously leads to a conversation of like, well, how do you find partners and all that? And, mm. you know, my, my approach always from day one has been, how do you provide some sort of unique value? Right. Mm. Um, and that's how I approach all my partnerships. Right. Um, you know, when I was first starting out, um, you know, five, six years ago, mm-hmm. it was more me being on the ground, um, you know, deal hunting, um, making relationships with agents, mm-hmm. um, doing a lot of the dirty work, right? That was kind of my value to a more experienced investor. Um, today, I've kind of, you know, I've developed a lot of knowledge in like the construction space, right? And a lot. And um, so I, I lead a lot of that, um, dealing with tenant issues, stabilization issues, that kind of thing. So you know, regardless of where I'm at, I'm trying to figure out like, what am I good at? How can I provide value in that? And, you know, who's the right person to scale out with? Yeah. After six years on, on multi, on between multifamily and small multifamily and big multifamily, how you describe your superpower? Oof, that's a good question. Uh, and persistence. <laughs> uh, you know, because again, it's, it's, it's a complex sport, right? I mean, hmm. and there's, matter how smooth a deal you think is going to go or how good a deal is um there's just always stuff that you know, can easily knock you down right i mean there's always surprises there's always stuff that pops up um and i really think a lot of times it's truly a battle of attrition right i mean it's mm-hmm. whoever can survive the longest um while still executing and delivering um i think is ultimately going to win right so mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of one of my, uh, you know, and I, I think that's a quality in a lot of investors um, that have scaled out big um, is how, how do you do that, right? How do you tolerate? How do you persist? And how do you continue to, you know, execute day in and day out? For sure. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. And my final question will be, how is the people can follow your success? Uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm very active on social media. If you guys want to check me out on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn, it's just Leo Rosansky. Um, if you guys are interested in kind of the value add model we do in Boston here, um, I actually put out a nice breach uh, kind of like resource on some of the big things I look for for every value add deal. I'm um, happy to send the link on that. But uh, regardless of how you want to connect with me, I'm all over online on social media. So We hope to bring you again to the show to talk more about your success. And again, thank you for your time today. I appreciate Adam. It was a blast.